Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Eight weeks are done, and for many teams, we've hit the halfway mark. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. Two sides remain unbeaten. Two sides are without a win. We'll be discussing who's surprised us so far and who hasn't. We'll look back at some of the highlights from week eight, including your nominations for our weekly awards. It's then on to all the week nine action as we wrap up the London Games for 2019. We'll make our picks for this week and give an update on our McBookie Pick'em competition. Then, as ever, we'll wrap up with all the latest news and we'll be keeping an eye open for any last-minute trades coming in while we're chatting. And delighted to welcome Cameron back. Welcome back. Delighted to be back. Delighted to have my voice back. Um, was a little bit nasally last week, a little bit rough. It wouldn't have made for good listening. Not that I'm suggesting for a second this will make for good listening, but at least <laughs> it's not my voice to blame. Um, so, yes. And eight, week eight, done and dusted. Uh, 49ers still unbeaten, Paul. Um, uh, this is a nice feeling. I was highly impressed. I thought Carolina would have given you a bit uh, much of a harder game, which actually leads me into my first complaint of the week. Um, <laughs> the television games were a bit rubbish. Yes. You know, New England at Cleveland, Cleveland never competed. I'm not sure we were expecting them necessarily to, but, you know, three turnovers and three plays were one of the dumbest passes um, to an on-rushing um, defender that I've ever seen a quarterback throw. Uh, the Carolina at San Francisco, if you're a 49ers fan, you loved it, but uh, you popped that game to bed pretty early. Thursday night football... <laughs> Minnesota Washington, uh, Minnesota versus Washington, uh, not really very enjoyable. Monday night football, Steelers at Dolphins, again, meh. And perhaps pretty much only one of the sort of major games of the weekend sparkled, and that was Green Bay at Kansas. And uh, that one took me by surprise as well. I thought that the Packers would go in and ease that one, especially with Mahomes being out. But it was a great game. And actually, yeah. it brought out the best of both teams. Um, I didn't get to see it in full, watched it in 40, as I do with the late games so often. And actually, when you're watching it like that, it was action-packed. I was on the edge of my seat pretty much the whole way through the game. It was brilliant. Yeah, Sunday Night Football, they just seem to be able to pick the right games at the right time. I mean, I've said before, Monday Night Football is a hard slate to pick. Thursday Night Football, no team likes being on it. I happen to think it's done really well now. I mean, Fox do it. Therefore, you've got great production values and it actually looks like a better game rather than just the, the NFL Network covering it. So, you know, quite happy with that. But I think you're right. You've got to, you know, the, the Chiefs, I thought, played pretty well. I mean, you're going to hand it to Matt Moore. You know, 24 to 36, 267 yards, not an interception. I don't really think you could ask for much more from the guy. No, totally. And I don't think, again, I don't think anybody expected much from him. And I think Mahomes has set the standards so high there that people were almost automatically writing them off. Now, what they've done is they've given Green Bay a bit of a game there. And that will change the opinion, I think. Now, there's a good chance that Mahomes will be back for the next game anyway. Apparently, his knee, like the rest of him, isn't built like the rest of us. This guy is like a machine in several ways. So there's a chance he'll be back. But that's got to give the Chiefs some confidence that their backup can actually come in and play well if he needs to. Yeah, and I think that's that's key. We're going to touch on this a little bit later on. It is, if your guy goes out, what do you have behind? Some teams have got somebody that can do something. Other teams simply don't look very well prepared at all. And it, it's not always the backup's fault. Um, looking, at, looking around at the slate, 
did you feel a little bit disappointed by the game in London? I mean, the LA were pretty much always in control, and I'm not sure that the announced crowd was the actual crowd. They may have sold the tickets, but I'm yes. not convinced there was 80,000 people there. Um, and I think some of the photos... Now, it's a really tough one. I've seen photos come out from this one, and it looks really empty. But I would say that if you take any of the London games, and given that it was so one-sided, if the photos were taken in the fourth quarter, you kind of expect it to start to empty out. I think you'll see that across any stadium. The one thing that was interesting, so 83,000 was still, if if there was 83,000 there, that was still 10,000 more than the next highest attendance in the NFL at the weekend. So the number's not horrible. I think, though, that the, the, the London games have been riding on this crest of popularity where they've been selling out every single game. There's been a, I mean, just remember back to the frenzy and the anger as people weren't getting tickets for this game. Fast forward it, the Bengals are utterly irrelevant. The Rams are not quite hitting on all cylinders. And suddenly you're getting tickets on StubHub for eight or nine quid, uh, which is just, to for me, unheard of so far in any of the London games. It's a bad matchup, and it was a bad matchup. It, it's a hard one for the NFL to do because obviously they're bringing the teams over before the season, you would have thought the Bengals would have had more to them than they've had. You might have thought at least the Rams would have been a bit more exciting coming out of the Super Bowl. It's just a bit of an unexciting game. And you're right, you know, I think it was interesting for a little bit at the beginning. The Bengals looked as though they were maybe going to come back into it and they, it was all level. But once LA got going, once uh, Cooper Cup figured out how to make space and then realised how much of it he could get, it was a non-contest after that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame the NFL for any of that. I think the organisation is always from NFL UK, pretty top-notch. I still think Wembley's a fabulous venue. Uh, I like what's around Wembley. I like the transport options to Wembley. I think there's a lot of great things. I think it, we're now at the stage where we're used to a certain level, and sometimes you won't get that level, but that's no need to, you know, to kick the game, if you like, nothing. It's not going to be, you know, all wine and roses the whole way through. You're going to get the odd bad game. You are going to get people leaving. The problem with pictures is they can be made to look like anything. We used to always think, you know, if you wanted to prove something, just take a picture of it. That's not the case anymore, you know, because people could say, well, this was it. You know, it could be half an hour before kickoff. It could be just, you know, after the interval at half time. So there's a million different things. I still... The, the biggest surprise was that people didn't necessarily want to go to this one. But if you've got a season ticket for all four games, you might just think to yourself, you know, I'm probably going to go to three of the games. It's cheaper to buy all four. It then gives me the choice. So I think there's a little bit of that comes into it. I don't think there's anything the NFL UK have got to be worried about. I think the demand is still there. And just occasionally you're going to get a matchup that doesn't look that great, you know, eight weeks into a season. For me, it was interesting as well for the 49ers game. You cut to that at halftime. And the Niners were, at that point, 27 points to three up. Cruising, coming into the game, 6-0. and And it cut to the stadium. And the stadium looked half empty. Now, obviously, there's hospitality. There is um, people who are out getting beers and things like that. So if you take that snapshot, there's no way that stadium was empty. But I tell you what, I looked at it, and I was like, God, that really looks like it's quite quiet. It was a sellout. It was a full attendance at the game. Um, 
And this is exactly to your point. The pictures at any one time don't tell the whole story. Uh, interesting to hear from people that are actually at the game. Did they feel it was full? Did they feel that it wasn't? Uh, I've seen pictures that make it look absolutely rammed, and <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, and I've seen <laughs> pictures where it looks absolutely bengled, if we're going to stick with that. Um, <laughs> so it's... It's hard to tell just on pictures, so it would be really interesting to hear what people thought. I'm also intrigued to see, I'm down again this weekend for Jack's Texans, which for me is a really exciting game because of the quarterback situation. You've got one-eyed Watson up against uh, the moustache Garner Minshew. It's just, oh, honestly, it's brilliant. So I hope that that's going to be a sellout, and I think it could be quite a rocking crowd. I think it'll be a great crowd because, you know, we know quite a few of the Texans guys that like to go down. I think it'll be a terrific game. It's a really good matchup. Um, you know, Houston just getting past Oakland. Oakland are proving to be a bit better team than we thought. You know, it's always nice to see a team that's coming to play in London go in with a win. I mean, I don't think Jacksonville against the Jets, there was much doubt in that one. So I think they're really, they're, they're, there's a nice up, I think, for perhaps as low-key as the game we saw this Sunday was, I think this one will really make up for it. And I really, I still think, I mean, I've, I've been to the Tottenham Stadium, I've been to Wembley, Wembley still gets you a terrific atmosphere. And it's just a great place to be. I think there's a better feeling before the game at Wembley because there's more places to mix and meet and chat. Um, so no, I think it's, it's going to be one heck of a weekend down there. Just to touch on the AFC South as well, because this for me is now the division. This is the division that is the most exciting. Every single team, at least on an equal record, uh, nobody's got a losing record. The The team with the worst winning streak are the Texans, who have only won one in a row. You've got the Jags and the Titans, who are now on a two-win streak. The Colts on a three. There's only one win between bottom and top. Every team's on positive points for the season. It's a thrilling division, this. And the fact that we've got Jags-Texans, the Jags win and the Jags can leap above the Texans. The Texans win, and they can potentially leap above the Colts. It's got so much on the line with this one. Uh, and and there's the, the, the whole thing about the, the quarterback situation. So you've got Deshaun Watson coming into it with one eye because he got booted in the face, still threw a touchdown. It's kind of like whatever Mahomes can do, you know, I'll just take a limb off and I'll do it even better. Um and then you've got Garner Minshew and all the conversations around him and whether or not he's going to, you know, whether Nick Foles is going to get his job back. And it's a legitimate conversation. It's a fascinating conversation. And it's because he bloody deserves it. He's played brilliantly. He's played with fun. He's got that team winning. Uh, and at the start of the season, you kind of thought, oh, hang on a minute. This could be, you know, a bit of a nightmare for them. They've not had Jalen Ramsey. They're winning without him. Maybe that's a, a character better off out of that changing room, to be honest. But Garner Minshew's just grabbed that team by the scruff of its neck and driven it forward. Leonard Fournette looks like a running back again. He looks like the running back that came out of LSU, not the running back that was playing on one shoe last year. That was a rhyme. That was a, a rubbish. I apologize. Um, <laughs> but for me, this is a thrilling division. So I think this is an absolute cracker game. Uh, although we're already dipping into a preview of week nine, so I need to control myself a little bit. There's very little else that really caught my eye that we're probably not going to touch on we go, when we go to our you know, top eight after eight. It was just one of those weeks that it was a bit meh in terms of, of, of games. Um, there was there was nothing that sort of caught me overly excited uh, from the Saints' perspective. Drew Brees came back, no controversy, just won the game. Uh, Teddy came in to mop up. 
I thought, as I say, the Oakland-Houston game was a decent one. Philadelphia winning in Buffalo, that's a statement for Philadelphia to come back, having been trodden on by the Cowboys. So I think that's a good one from from their point of view. But, you know, I, we're going to touch on the various teams as, as we look back. So I think that's probably, you know, en- enough for week eight. Just one little word on, you know, week nine I, that's coming up. I mean, the Texans-Jags game is an NFL Network-only game. And I think that is a shame because I would have liked to have seen that on a wider coverage in America. It, it's just one of these things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I do think it'll be a thrilling one and a, a really good advert. The one thing we have to do before we move on uh, to anything else is we do have to give out our awards. I can't forget yes, again. Yes, so absolutely. We'll, do you know what? Let's do that now. We're nice and early because I agree with you. I think from a from a, a team performance point of view, other than my Niners, you know, and we'll, but I'll come on to that as well in a minute. Um, I think that this was a week for individual performances. And I think there's a couple of individual performances that deserve a shout out for good and bad reasons. So let's go through some of the nominations and then we can give our awards. So maybe next, first of all, Belter goes to Nick Bosa. Three sacks, three tackles for a loss and an interception. Baufin goes to Baker Mayfield. Um, here, Mr. De- Patriots defensive tackle, this is for you. Yeah, that's the biggest gift going this, year, uh, this week. Bob Ag, for him, is the fantasy gods. Last week, it was Rodgers and Marvin Andrews. This week, Tevin Coleman and Cooper Cup. What I don't know is, uh, were they on his bench or was he up against them? Uh, Chris Breen, he comes in. Belter for him was Miles Sanders or the 49ers defense. Baufin is Matt Bryant or former Falcon (laughs) Matt Bryant, as he's now known. Uh, Bob Ag, uh, the ref in the Tampa Bay game, blowing the play dead after a clear fumble. Um... Lorne Callahan comes on to say Belter for him is Nick Bosa, an awesome job of defeating the attempted cut block, get his hands up, snag the pass, and brush off Kyle Allen on the way to returning the pick. Baufin is tied between the Buccaneers, Keystone Cops play, and Baker Fields shovel pass interception. We'll come on to that Buccaneers pass because we do have to talk about that. Bob Aga, the Buffalo Bills, purely because they cost him a five-fold accumulator. <laughs> I I bet they cost a few people. Stuart Taylor, his belter's Nick Bosa. His Baufin is Baker's shuffle pass. His Bob Ag is Matt Nagy for trusting a Bears kicker. Belters for Polly, Nick Bosa, wow, and Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, of course, setting a record for the most amount of receiving yards for any player in any London game so far. A very impressive afternoon. Baufin for him was the Bucks messing up third and goal. As the play starts, the wide receiver in motion inadvertently tackles his own running back. Laughable, Baufin, and embarrassing all at the same time. It's a Bucks life. Uh, his bog bag goes to the refs for missing the fake punt fumble in the Titans-Bucks game. Uh, given the amount of bad officiating recently... Does it deserve its own NFL Scotland award? Moaning and bad officiating? Let's call it the Mitchell Award. Oh, ouch. Ouch. <laughs> says, ouch. He's quite right, but ouch. Brilliant. Right, Andrew Reid says his belter was Marvin Hall, averaging 40.2 yards per catch. Um, third goal got in touch from the early kickoffs. Belter was Cooper Cup. Baufing was the Bears' offense. What are they doing? And Bobag, apart from Trubisky, bit harsh, but Matt Bryant. Those missed points could have made a big difference. So um, we have to discuss that then with yourself as well. Um, who gets your belter of the week? Actually, he's not been mentioned, but I thought Adam Vinatieri yep. gets it for me because he had a bad start to the season. Uh, and he nailed a 55-yarder in a game they didn't have to win, but 
it would have really turned, you know, you're, you're then looking at four and three rather than five and two. So I think uh, Adam Vinatieri, uh, for me, uh, Bowfin, I mean, the Browns, who's drawn up these play calls? <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you've got to wonder, I mean, as people will have known if they've listened to this podcast before, we are not experts. We are largely fans. We like to think we're reasonably well-informed. We enjoy watching the games. We enjoy learning every single week. So you just wonder, I mean, the, the shovel pass down the middle was one of the dumbest things I've seen on an NFL field. And that includes the guy running the wrong way, you know, to go towards the wrong end zone. Um, it was just nuts. The Bucks again, I mean, it's interesting because Bruce Arians said, no, that's on me. You know, he got the play call in from the offensive coordinator and he decided not to overturn it. He didn't think it was a great call, but he decided not to overturn it. So, I mean, that in itself is a bit boofing as well, but I, can't, I cannot look past Baker Mayfield as far as the, the boofing's concerned. Matt Bryant, yeah, well, I mean, Seattle were well up on Atlanta. Yes, it would have made a difference, uh, but I'm not really sure how. And Bobag, I'm, somebody in Denver might have to go to this. Now, I'm not sure whether we blame the offensive coordinator or whether we blame the head coach, but you had Joe Flacco come out after that loss, basically saying, shit, this is not good enough. And Flacco was almost, and it was close to saying, there's a trade deadline coming up. If you're not prepared to, you know, to gamble and win, you know, they are a, they were a two and five team. You know, if you think you're going to lose anyway, why not gamble and actually go for it? You know, you go down swinging. You know, I mean, they, they, they went down... Yeah, as mildly as you like. You know, it was like they were lying down for a nap on a comfy mattress. <laughs> yep, it's a, a very good analogy. Um, and it's I agree with you. Do you know what my Bob Ag Award goes to someone in Denver as well? And on the face of it, on the face of it, it goes to Flacco for coming out and saying that. It feels like you say that amongst your team. You come out and you lament choices and what have you. Interesting to see he's now out for a period of time with an injury. Whether or not that would have been a benching anyway, we'll never know. I, I, no, I, just, see, I, I disagree. I think he was right to come out and say he has won a Super Bowl. He's been in the league a long time. He might not be the most dynamic or the most athletic quarterback, but he knows the game inside out. And if he feels that his team were more worried about how they lose rather than trying to win a game, I think he did the right thing and come out and actually say that. Now, he may have said that in the locker room. I certainly hope he did because I, I'm with you on the fact that there's nothing at the podium you should be saying yeah. that you haven't already said. But I think the coaching staff have, have got to have a look at this. You know, you are a two and five football team. You're on the road at a winning team and you just went down so tamely when you had the chance to do something. And I think, you know, Flacco's quite right. Now, you could argue Flacco could have overridden the play, but then it depends on the personnel that have been sent out on the field for the play call. I I just don't know. I mean, I've defended Denver because I think they've been, a, you know, they've been a little bit unlucky in some of their games, but this, this worries me here. 
Yeah, no, totally. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do now for the rest of the season, whether this is just tank or not. The one thing I thought was telling about Joe Flacco, though, and yes, do you know what? He's won a Super Bowl. He beat my 49ers, and he had one hell of a postseason that year. But he came out and said, we should have been fighting to get into field goal territory. It's not that hard, which I think is ironic because that's pretty much all he then ever did at the Ravens because anyone that's ever had Justin Tucker in fantasy football knows that he was money because the problem with <laughs> Flacco is he can get into field goal range he just can't get any further so i was a little bit like come on joe you're not exactly um you know the person to be preaching here but do you know who one person that um i'm going to go right back to the the top of this and talk about belter someone who hasn't had a lot of credit and fine a bunch of this was junk time but he somehow brought his team back into this and made it relevant after not playing for about 40 years is matt schaub um, 460 yards, one touchdown, one interception, two sacks of fumble, passer rating of 99.8. He was, you know, 39 for 52. He actually, he kept the Falcons relevant in this one, which was fascinating. And it went down to the end of the game. So he, for me, deserves a little bit of credit. Um, but he doesn't get it. It was good to see Drew Brees back. Uh, and it didn't take him long to get going, to be perfectly honest. I thought Russell Wilson was brilliant again. Aaron Rodgers was really good. We've talked on, uh, touched on Gardner Minshew already as well. So some really good uh, performances from the quarterbacks. But for me, the the performances of the week, you know, James Conner did brilliantly. He's got to be a big loss if he's out for a long time. Uh, David Montgomery had his coming out game that Chubb showed real character to have two early fumbles, one where his own lineman kicked out his hand. Is that the most Browns play ever? Quite possibly. <laughs> um, but he showed character, came back, got 131 yards. Uh, you know, find the... the the Panthers, the Panthers, the Browns weren't relevant against the Patriots at any point. But what it's done is it's given the Ravens a bit of an insight as to how you can beat them. And that's on the ground because Nick Chubb, I thought, had a Browning game. Christian McCaffrey did well, even though that the 49ers had a pretty good uh, display from Tevin Coleman had a brilliant afternoon as well. Three touchdowns from him. I said at the start of the season during the, the free agency, he's a player that I was really keen that we pick up. Uh, and absolutely delighted that he did. But uh, Cooper Cup, of course, gets a mention. I think that Mike Evans had a really good week, but the person for me is Aaron Jones. 226 scrimmage yards. It's the most by a Green Bay player since 2003. And he's gone from being a bit of a average back to being a really good back and actually a pretty damn good wide receiver as well. In the last couple of weeks, he's made some brilliant catches, made some great yards, and looked really dangerous after the catch as well. Uh, he's a player in form at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Can I can I give one other shout out? Uh, you know, and and I mean, we we class this this podcast yeah. as two Scottish broadcasters talking American football. Can I give a shout out to Ollie Wilson of Talksport Two? for his coverage at the weekend. He's, he's been doing the commentary uh, on radio and it still sounds a little bit strange with an English voice on an American game. But I'll tell you what, I listened on my way back from working in Glasgow and he paints a lovely picture of the game. He's got you know a couple of experts alongside him. He gets a lot out of them. And I, I just thought that he did really, really well. I was very, very impressed. I'm a very critical person when it comes to listening to other broadcasters. You get a sense of who's good and who's not. Uh, and I'd just like to give a shout out to Ollie Wilson. Although I would say that his Twitter handle of OJ Wilson, which is probably his name to be fair, but there's always something when you see the words OJ yeah. that doesn't quite strike you. <laughs> you know, if the glove fits and all that kind of thing. Indeed. Um, but but con congratulations to him. I, th I thought he did really well. 
Last thing I need to do is my Bowfin, because I've not done that. That absolutely goes to the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston, what a horrible afternoon. Fine, 301 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions, three sacks, two fumbles, pass a rating of 68.1. But more importantly, what was that absolute shambles of a play? I've never seen anything like that in my life. That was just, just, just disgusting. I don't even know who screwed that up the most. Somebody did. Uh, actually, I think it sits with Winston because he's got to get the timing right. Um, but that, yeah, it was really bad. That was a bad look. Uh, a game that they could well have won, should have won. Uh, Ryan Tannehill still find his feet in his new team, um, and Mike Evans is excluded from that uh, Bowfin nomination. He does not deserve that. Um, Absolutely. But the rest of them certainly do. Right. Anyway, that's enough for week eight. Indeed. So let's have a look. We're, we're halfway through. So we had a we had a thought. We had a chat. We thought we'll pick eight teams uh, with eight games gone from, from most teams and think, you know, who's impressed us? Who hasn't? Now, if you take away the fact that the likes of the Patriots were always going to have a good season and the Dolphins were always going to tank, who's sort of plus or minus? on expectations so camera i thought i'd uh, throw you my i'm, I'm going to go with five pluses and three minuses okay uh because that's how i roll these days um number one i, th I don't think anybody saw and we've touched on it the the 49ers being unbeaten at this stage coming i think we thought that they would be decent but I don't think anybody thought they'd be this good. I think it's down to good draft work in the last two years. I think it's down to good coaching. And also it's down to you for not picking them in the, the <laughs> pick six anyway. So I, I think, you know, I'll tip, I'll tip the hat to the 49ers. Now, people might have seen that coming. I'd also like slightly disappointing that, that they lost to the Eagles in these terms. But I think you're still going to give the nod to the Buffalo. The Bills for exceeding expectations are three and zero on the road. They were the last team to give up more than a hundred points. You know, Pat's sixty-one, San Francisco seventy-seven. The Bills the last to trip into you know three figures, and they're not. If you actually just look at some of their stats, camera, they're twenty-fourth in points, nineteenth in yards, twenty-third in passing, and the eighth in rushing. They're not, you know, outstanding in any of these categories. No, they're not. And it's do you know what? I've done a similar surprise and disappointed. They just missed the cut for me. And I think it's the same thing. I think that take away that Eagles game, because you give them a pass for losing against the Patriots. Had they beaten the Eagles, they would absolutely be up there um, as probably behind the 49ers, the team that I would have been most impressed by this season. So it feels harsh that they've gone from second to just cutting, falling out of the cup for me. But... Yeah, there's enough going on there for them to be interesting for the rest of the season. I don't think they've got anything enough to challenge the Patriots yet, but they should absolutely be looking at a wild card slot. And when you look at the AFC West and the team in second place has a losing record, and you look at the AFC North and the team in second place has a losing record, then they've got a very real chance of doing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, they've got Washington, they're at Cleveland, they're at Miami. So, I mean, they could be 8-2 if all things go well. Another team that I think could go 8-2, currently 5-2, they've won three on the bounce, are the Colts. They're 2-0 and in division as well, which I think is quite important. Uh, interestingly, they were a pick of Tony Dungy who basically said, when luck went out, don't worry about it, they'll be okay. We never argue with Tony Dungy because he's correct. Uh <laughs> You know, it was ugly against Denver. That's fine. You're not gonna. It's not Picasso all the way. You know, you, you're gonna. You know, gonna win an ugly game somewhere. They were great against the Texans. They've beaten Kansas City away. Next three: Pittsburgh, Miami, and Jacksonville. Again, they 
could go eight and two. So I think the Colts are on my list. Four probably won't surprise you. Um, and it's the Saints simply because Drew Brees went out. To go 5-0 and with your backup quarterback is outstanding for any team. I don't care what team you are. That is outstanding. But the thing that impressed me the most, there was no issue with Drew Brees coming back. It's Drew Brees' team. Terry Bridgewater stepped aside. Brees comes in, pass, pass, wins a game. Teddy, you see it out. And it's, it's harmony. couple of things, though. The Saints are... Seven and one. The Panthers are four and three. That's the closest to them. Uh, the Saints are the only team in the NFC South that are positive in their in their points margin. So you know, I think they've got that wrapped up. And before we jump to yours, I'll give you my final of of the five that have surprised me. The Cardinals being three, four, and one. I didn't think the Cardinals would win three games all season. Um, so I am surprised at that. Kyler Murray has done better than people thought. 63.7% completion, seven touchdowns and only four interceptions. Now that impresses me. If that had been the other way around, I still would have been relatively impressed. The problem with the Cardinals and, and why they've got a little asterisk against them is they've only had one divisional game and I think their division is stacked and I think they're now going to run into problems. They play San Francisco in two of the next three. So that's my exceeded expectation list. Yeah, and you know what? I've got pretty much a very similar looking list. For me, the Saints didn't quite make the cup. And I, and it's a tough one because I agree with your point. I think that to have done it with Bridgewater and have done it in the way that they've done it is really impressive. I always expected them to be really good. So I think that they've probably exceeded expectations in the sense that to get to 7-1 and one with their backup is very impressive. Uh, the Vikings, for me, get into this list for a similar reason in that they were 2-2 two and two, and they were looking a little bit lacklustre and those questions about Kirk Cousins. And now they're 6-2, and two, they're on a, a, a four-game winning streak and suddenly they're the, the team that are keeping the Packers in check. And although for the same reason that the Saints are expected to do well, I'm surprised at how well the Packers are doing. I think that under a new head coach, I anticipated problems and teething issues um, and toys continuing to be thrown out the pram. But a fit Aaron Rodgers has absolutely changed this team and they are a real threat. For them to be 7-1 and one, and to be winning in the manner in which they're winning is very, very impressive. Um, they are the highest scoring team in the NFC. Uh, and that's you can't take that away from them. That's impressive. At home, they're four and one. They're three and zero oh on the road, which is really good as well. So for me, they 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 make it into that list. The Ravens are another one as well. Uh, the Ravens for me, I thought we would see um, Lamar Jackson struggle. I thought in that division coming into it, and actually there's a team on my disappointed side that very much goes hand in hand with this, uh, appearing in my surprise. I thought the Ravens would struggle. I thought that they would they would have to rely on the, the ground game and that teams would be able to set themselves up, no bother at all. They'd be able to stop it. And actually, that hasn't really transpired. They are 5-2. and two. They're on a win streak of three at the moment. They've obviously got a very tough game coming up against the Patriots. But they're doing well. They're scoring a ton of points and the defense is turning up as well. So I think they're the third highest scoring team in the NFC, yep. which is impressive. So I think the fact as well that Jackson's found a connection with his rookie wide receivers, that he's found a connection with Andrews, his tight end that he keeps going to whenever he's fit. 
I think that the Ravens are a stick-on for that division now. Um, and it, Well, it's theirs to throw away, really. And, and they look really good. They look as though they can give teams a game. And I'm really interested to see if they can give the Patriots a game. Yeah, I think that'll be quite quite fascinating. So who else is on your, your list that may not have made mine? So surprised, um, it's pretty much the same as yours after that. Now it's 49ers, Packers, Colts and Ravens were my four. I've done four surprised, four disappointed. The Bills, Vikings, Saints were the three teams that just missed out on the cut. I really sat and thought about these ones. Um, so so they're the main ones on the surprise. But just before we move on, I'm going, I'm going to talk about, because I've not really done it all that much and I've not really had the opportunity to do it all that much. But I'm going to talk about these 49ers because my goodness me, they are damn impressive. Now, you can argue. You can argue that the schedule hasn't been the hardest. But this Panthers team has looked dangerous and they absolutely nullified them as a threat. You know, 7-0 for the first time since 1990 and only the second time in franchise history. Very impressive. Start the season with three consecutive home wins for the first time since 1998. We are 2-0 this season against NFC South with two games to go against the Saints and Falcons. We could go 4-0. <laughs> Early dig. Uh, I won't be saying that come week 14. Um, <laughs> we, you know, defensive notes. So um, we obviously had three interceptions against Kyle Allen at the weekend. That led to 17 points, which is really impressive. Uh, if you look at individual performances, though, this is where it gets really interesting. Oh, before we do that, offensively, 51 points, which is the most scored by the team in a single game since against the Lions in December 1993. The last time we scored seven or more touchdowns was in December 2003 against Arizona. We scored seven against the Panthers. Uh, we rushed for 232 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. It's the most by the 49ers in a single game since 1992 against Atlanta. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. But I'm going to come down to Nick Boza because what a start to the season he's having as a player. Uh, obviously, number two pick, um, a lot of people said he was going to be number one. He came in carrying a little bit of an injury and we wondered about, you know, I, I certainly wondered, is he going to be good, as good as his brother? And there's a good chance that he's going to be as good as, if not better. So, you know, his first career interception, which he returned for 46 yards, which was absolutely brilliant. He had three sacks in week eight, which is the most by a member of the 49ers since Alden Smith had five and a half against the Bears in 2012. He joined the uh, Vikings defensive end Kevin Williams from 2003 and Panthers defensive end Julius Peppers 2002 as the only rookies to have at least three sacks and an interception in a single game since 1982. He is absolutely brilliant. He's actually, with seven sacks on the season so far, he is fourth in franchise record for the most sacks by a rookie in their opening season. So the players above him, Alden Smith in 2011, got 14. Uh, Charles Haley in 1986 got 12. And Dana Stubblefield in 1993 got 10.5. You've got to think he's on track to finish top of that pile. They're just... The stats are brilliant. I've not been able to sit and do this with the Niners for a very long time. I'm loving it. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It, it's coming across. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm quite right, too. I mean, you've had a miserable few years as a, as a 49ers fan, so you're quite right. I mean, the stats are there. But the most important one is is 7-0. and That's the most important yeah. stat. You know, the message is there now. They've just got to keep going. There's going to be a bad loss comes up because that's what happens. You see it in almost every season. 
it'll then be their ability to bounce back from such a loss when it comes. And you can cut this bit out of the podcast if they go out unbeaten and you can play it out at the end of the season. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there, right. there will be. And, and yeah, I, I've just been nothing but impressed. Now, if people thought it was being a bit uncharitable at the start of the podcast where I was I was moaning or whinging slightly about the Carolina-San Francisco game not being a very good game, that wasn't San Francisco's fault. They were terrific. Yes. No, definitely. And I think that, you know, the next two at the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football, at home to the Seahawks, then we host the Cardinals again. Yeah. Now, okay, let, so let's just imagine that we can get the better of the Cardinals, right? We managed to hunt down Kyler Murray and we can beat them. We managed to end up coming into this game. What would that? So that'd be 8, 9, 10 and 0. Week 12, we've got the Packers. And then we're at the Ravens. And then we're at the Saints. That's a run of three very tough games to come, um, and and they'll be tricky. I think the Seahawks one will be difficult. I'm certainly not writing off uh, the Cardinals either because they've shown that they are a threat. Like you say, I'm surprised that they've done as well, and they they look dangerous. So you know there are no chickens being counted. Hopefully, there's just chickens getting beat as we get past the Cardinals and the Seattle Sea Chicken uh, Seahawks. Um, right, no, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, let's let's just stay on chickens for a second, okay. uh, because there's a nice link. You still owe me chicken wings. Oh, damn. Uh, for the Bowfin Bowl, so I think we'll get together for the Saints 49ers game. Fine. Uh, and you, you can settle your chicken wing debt, because obviously there's interest to cruise with every week you don't pay. Um, so, you know, we're now chicken wings with blue cheese dip. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Can I give you my bad? Yes, let's year? do the bad. Can I give you it in reverse order just to build up? Okay, let's so, do that. Number number three. It's the AFC North. I think you touched on this about what's been the best division. And the reason that I'm giving it to the division was it's disappointed me. I think the Ravens are a good team. But I think at the start of the year, we thought that some of the best games would come from within this division. The Ravens-Steelers, you know, the Ravens-Browns, you know, the Steelers against the Browns. Just not happening. Yeah. Um, so I'm really disappointed in there. Now, we have to go to the Bengals because while I didn't expect much from them, I expected a little bit more. Now, you go back to July 2019. Joe Mixon said the Bengals' offense would be a nightmare. And he was right. I don't think he meant for his own team. (laughs) But that's what happened. I mean, Mixon only scored his first touchdown uh, on Sunday. Uh, you know, which is not acceptable. Coming into Sunday, he had 254 yards on 84 carries. You start to see where are you going to get a win? Pittsburgh, week 12 at home. Week 13, the Jets. Miami, week 16. Their potentials. I mean, Tyler Boyd called the Monday night football loss against Steelers simply embarrassing. Now, all of this comes, and why they make my disappointed list also is they nearly won in Seattle on opening week. You know, Four of their seven losses have been under 10 points. They're, you know, they're not dreadful, but they're just dreadful enough. Now, the news breaking today as we record is that Ryan Finlay is going to start on Sunday. Um, I mean, he's 24 years old. He's out of North Carolina State. 2019 fourth round pick. He's supposed to have good pocket presence. He's supposed to be able to read the game well. The knock on him is that his arm strength 
isn't particularly great. So we'll we'll see where that goes. The other story now, this will probably not happen, but it might do, is there's there's a growing rumor that Dalton basically is finished now in Cincinnati, um, and that the Bears are looking for a game manager. The Bears may come in with a a fourth round offer and take Andy Dalton and stick him in because that might be enough to kickstart their season. I think that's unlikely because you've got to go in and learn, you know, a whole new offense and the likes, but you never know. But I'm, I'm disappointed in Zach Taylor's Bengals. I just thought they would have been a little bit better, but the dumpster fire uh, that is the Atlanta Falcons. Now I'm not saying this because I'm a Saints fan. Genuinely not. Okay. So, what I'd like to say is that the Falcons are 1-7, and seven, having started 1-1. One and one. They're the only NFC team, Cameron, without this. What do you think it is? Oh. Uh, an interception. They're the only NFC team without a road win. Oh, right, okay. How about that? I mean, <laughs> so, so Washington have won on the road, New York have won on the road, the Cardinals have won on the road. You know, they, they've, they've not... Now, their next three games, they come to the Saints, they go to the Panthers, and then they're at home uh, to Tampa Bay. Now, it's not within the realms of possibility they're 1-9 and nine when they face Tampa Bay. Devontae Freeman, 97 carries, 333 yards, 3.4 average, no touchdowns. He's their leading running back. They, they, they have had injuries before Falcons fans jump up and down too much. They have had injuries, but... All teams have injuries. I'm just surprised that the coaching staff hasn't yet changed. I thought they might have pulled the trigger on that. And as far as I can see, they haven't done so. So that that's my three. AFC North, the Bengals and the Falcons. I think you're fair with all three. And actually, the Bengals just made, uh, just didn't make my cut. The four that I've gone here, and I'm going to take the one right away that were shared, and that's the Falcons. So I agree to have conceded 250 points. They're, they're actually scoring all right. They, they've still got their threats. Julio Jones still keeps having games, but they're just dire. This team deserves so much better. Uh, and like you say, yeah, there's injuries. Every team has injuries, but they've not even looked like a team at any point. It's just been disappointing all the way through. Lackluster, um, and now they're going to beat the, the Niners that have said that, but that's fine. Uh, we'll move on from that. Um, but but you're right. I mean, they're 32nd in sacks. They're 31 in turnover differential. They're 29 in rushing offense, as I met there. So they have released Matt Bryant, but have you seen who they've signed? Yeah. I mean, seriously, we're making names up. Now, if you thought Ha-Ha Clinton Dix was funny, uh, Young Hu Koo... I mean, I'm not sure if it's an anagram, if it's a player. It's it's just unbelievable. Um, I'm trying to remember know, the teams young... that he's even been with as well, and he's never been particularly good. So it's, yeah. And to move on from Matt Bryant, it's so, it feels so harsh. I can understand that he had a bad game, but oh, everyone's allowed a bad game or two, aren't they? But I wonder whether that's just they need to make a change because they just need to make a change now. They have to do something to appease somebody 
Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's been disappointing. So I totally agree with you on the Falcons. Another one where there's been another change made is offensive coordinator in LA is gone. The Chargers have been an absolute letdown for me. I thought that they would legitimately be the team to challenge the Chiefs like they did last year. I was looking forward to the battle. I was looking forward to seeing Philip Rivers slinging the ball around, Keenan Allen back in form. You know, they started well with Eckler doing really well. Obviously, they had Melvin Gordon to come back. And they started really well. And it's just gone yeah. horribly, horribly wrong. And it's... It's funny that um, the the context coming out of the states and some of the messages that I see um, online is around them uh, almost hibsing it. If we're to bring it back to Scottish football, you know the Chargers are going to find a way to charger this, uh, and that seems to be the trend. But you know, obviously, we've talked about the fact that their home ground is not like a home ground. Their one and three at home is disappointing. If you look at that AFC West, the Chiefs are one and three at home, the Chargers are one and three at home, the Broncos are one and three at home, the Raiders are two and one at home, but one of those games wasn't a played at home, it's played London. So, you know, <laughs> the, the, there's not more than one home win for any team in that AFC West, which is stinking itself. But the Chargers in particular, just disappointing. Just, ah, oh, I'm so frustrated by them. Um, I actually wanted them to do really well. I, I, I've I wouldn't say I've got a soft spot, but I wanted to see them do well. Yeah, I, I want them back in San Diego. I'm a massive fan of Philip Rivers. As you know, I tried to buy a Philip Rivers yeah. jersey uh, just about a week ago, but I couldn't get the right size, which is amazing given my size. But there's just something... Yeah, I mean, I, they nearly made my list. They, 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 you know, I just went with the AFC North rather than the Chargers. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and then the Browns for me specifically. So rather than the North Division, I've taken the Browns. The Browns are just uh, just horrible. Just absolutely horrible. Baker Mayfield is not the same quarterback that we saw last year. I don't know if it's a confidence. I don't know if he believed his own hype. Uh, Jamie Gillen is absolutely nailing it. Living up to his nickname 100%. He's playing really well. But it says so much when you know your punter is being pulled out as your special teams player and he's the one getting most of the plaudits Nick Chubb is a continuous threat they've got Kareem Hunt now coming back from suspension interesting to see if he's got his head screwed on what he'll add to that the run game looks good but nothing else does and the Browns fans are already demanding change and that's not a good sign so for me as well there was so much hope there was so much expectation you know having been over there in Cleveland in that preseason game that Cleveland believed they absolutely believed and I don't think they've actually really done that every team believes before the season starts you know we all did our little pitches before the the season went underway and of course you can make a case for any team but I don't think they really ever felt that they could back it up this year you know they went out and got Beckham they had Chubb they had Landry they had Mayfield coming into it defensively they were getting all these players Miles Garrett's a monster and it's just been disappointing all over the field bad decisions bad calls bad plays Beckham doesn't look happy. Landry looks as though he's maybe picked up an injury. Um, it's just, it's a bad situation in Cleveland. And it's sad to see. I'm sorry to, to see them like that. But the team for me that is the biggest letdown, the biggest disappointment, the the one that needs to have a good look at themselves, and you've touched them on already, and whether they go and get the Red Rifle themselves, is the Chicago Bears. It's just, it's just horrible, lackluster, and... Uh, I've never seen a team get booed off at halftime while they're winning. And that's what happened to the Browns at the weekend there. They absolutely blew it at the end, once again missing with a with a field goal. It looked like Eddie Pinheiro was the answer. He was doing all right, but nope, 
there's something there, some kind of curse or hoodoo. There's just a wrong mindset in Chicago at the moment. To have been 3-1 up, lose three on their trot, and are three and four, they're lower than the Detroit Lions who've been shafted left, right, and center. Trubisky looks like he's completely out of ideas. They went and got David Montgomery with their first pick, which was in the third round, and he looks to be a threat. This is the first week they've really used him. And sure enough, look, he went and did something. But Trubisky just isn't a threat in that red zone. It's just that, just really disappointing. I can understand why those fans are booing. And for me, they are the biggest disappointment to this season so far. That is so interesting, isn't it? I mean, Mitch Trubisky, you know, a lot of people were very happy with the pick. They thought it would be a great pick. Then you get somebody like, you know, Garner Minshew, you know, who's not really highly rated. And all of a sudden, you know, he's lights out for his team. Kyle Allen. It's the same. It Sometimes it's just a crapshoot as a quarterback. You know, you've got to get into the right situation. But that said, I thought it was the right situation for Trubitsky with the talent that he had around him. Um, and as I say, if the rumours are that, they, you know, they might be looking at Andy Dalton, I really can't see it because that, that to me, would finish Trubitsky's career there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that could be it over unless they bring him in to guide him and try and give him some more time to learn. I don't know. That would be the only way you could potentially spin it. Um, but yes, all in all, it's there's just there's so many good things there. There's no reason for them to be as bad as they're being. Um, they need to just hopefully try and wind their neck in uh, and pull things forward from there. So um, yes, we'll be interested to see what's going on there. Right. Okay. Um, on to week nine then. And I think rather than go through, because we've already pushing uh, 50 minutes on this pod and there's so many news items to talk about, let's focus in on the pick six because there's some... It was hard to pick six games for the pick six this week because it's really hard to get games that are actually close. But I think I've yeah. done it. So let's go with this, right? Um, we'll go through the picks. Um, the latest scores as well. We're going to skip over that. I had a horrible week. But for the Packers winning, I would have done a Charles Patterson. Uh, doing a Patterson is what it's known as now when you go 0-6 in the pick six section. <laughs> and I think going forward, we'll just commit to that. And if nobody objects, yep, motion passed. Right, so um, almost did uh, uh, Charles Patterson. Uh, everyone's boosted away. You and Jamie copied each other. You were tied at the top before. You're still tied at the top now. Uh, it's an awful lot closer underneath, though. I think you guys are on 27 and the lowest is on 19. So, you know, anyway, on to week nine. Mm. The first game for you, Paul. Texans at Jacks. Uh, oh, horrible game to try and pick. I'll, I'll go. Uh, I'll go with Jacksonville. Oh, I just, you know, yeah. they they're comfortable in the Wembley surroundings, so I'll I'll take them, which will give you an opportunity to to take Deshaun Watson and Cole. Which is exactly what I'm going to do. Even you know, one-eyed Watson, he doesn't need two eyes to to score touchdowns. He just needs the one. Uh, and I think that this is I. I we're going to be so disappointed with this, aren't we? I'm so disappointed that J.J. Watt's not playing for a start, but this is going yes. to end up being totally one-sided. But it feels on paper like this could be an absolute thriller. I'm looking forward to it. I think this is going to be played through the air, on the ground, in defence, uh, special teams, the whole lot. It's going to be thrilling. I think it's going to be a really good game, this one. I think it's going to be the plum tie of the London games this year. So, But I do have the Texans winning this one uh, by a narrow margin. Uh, game two is Lions at Raiders. Uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders. I've been impressed with Carr. I think they've got, you know, receivers that are developing. Uh, so I'm going to take the Raiders. So I'm going to take the Lions on this one. Um, I'm either falling way further behind or I'm catching you up. Uh, I think that 
the Lions were almost in the conversation for surprising for me. And I think bar a few, I mean, Paul's choking there at the, the I am very in the idea of it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the Lions have been shafted by so many things, just plays that haven't worked out well in their favour, the refereeing decisions that are just terrible. They should be on a better record than they're on, to be honest. So I think that they continue to do really well. The, the lack of run game there, is a concern, but I think with the Raiders you can play over the top of them, to be honest, and I think that's exactly what Matt Stafford will do. He's in fine form at the moment, I think seven passing touchdowns in the last two games. It's really good, so uh, I expect that to continue. Game three is Colts at Steelers. Colts at Steelers. The Steelers, of course, had a great one Monday night, but, um, whoa, Colts. Yeah, I'm backing you on this one as well. I think the Colts will come out and do really well with this one. There's obviously question marks about running backs in um, Pittsburgh at the moment as well, with James Conner picking up an injury. Uh, Samuel's still not fit. There's another guy in there. I can't even remember his name. He's injured as well. So there's a lack of talent there. There's only so much that Juju Smith-Schuster can do. But if you've not got a threat on the ground, you the Colts will just focus everything on the air. And if they can stop Juju Smith-Schuster, they can stop the Steelers. So I get the Colts in that one as well. Bears at Eagles then. Oh, Eagles for me. I mean, unless, of course, I mean, if Andy Dalton's making his debut, that would be different. But you got to think the Eagles are back on top just the way that they've managed to get themselves going again. So I'll, I'll take the Eagles. Yeah, I've got the Eagles as well. I think that coming up against Buffalo, they came up against a good defense and they managed to stop them against a quarterback that they were able to stop. And the Eagles just need to repeat the same thing and this time do it at home. So I've got the Eagles beating the Bears this one. Absolutely. Um, okay, the sort of... Uh, AFC East Bowfin Bowl Jets at Dolphins you know what I was looking at this on my pickums earlier now the head says that the Jets should win it they're the better football team I think they've got better players however they still only won one game the Dolphins you can see the effort there you can see that they care this is the day that the Dolphins get a win bold bold I like it not only, like that. not only do I like it, I agree with it. Uh, oh, and I'm no. also going for the Dolphins. Um, the Jets are apparently looking to trade Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams. Uh, other than that, they've got nobody left. Um, and whether or not that's true or not, whether it's just trade rumours, I don't know. But that's going to unnerve those players. The Dolphins, I agree with you. I think the effort's there. They're able to score points. They're able to keep themselves more in the game than the Jets have been. And the Jets have just looked terrible. They've not got anything on defense. There's nothing on offense that's allowing Bell to be what he is, which is the threat on the ground. They're, they're not yeah. They're not getting the, the, the linebackers to come back off of the line. The, you know, there's a front four, they're stacking the box, they stop Levin Bell, and what you do is you force, force Sam Darnold to throw, and then you pick him off. Easy peasy. There's your game plan. So I agree with you. Dolphins are going to get this one, especially the fact that it's at the Dolphins. And they're going to come away, celebrate, and go, hang on a minute, we've just blown the number one pick. Man. Well, possibly. I, I like NFL memes had a brilliant thing. I think it was yesterday, which was the, the guy painting the, the Dolphins logo in midfield. And it just had a sign under saying, breaking news, you know, Miami field painter traded. Which I thought, <laughs> thought was kind, kind of good. Last one, Patriots at Ravens. It'd be great for the league if the Ravens could do that. Uh, but what what kind of moron would back against the Patriots? Certainly not this one. Okay. 
So this moron is going to do that. Um, <laughs> I think, I genuinely think that the Browns gave the Ravens a little bit of a game plan, and that is hit the Patriots on the ground. I also think that there's still not a lot of talent on the wide receiver depth at um, New England. Now it's Brady and he can just find people, but Brady in the last couple of weeks hasn't even been playing quite as well. He's not needed to, to be fair. Uh, the defense is the, the thing that they need to stop. So Lamar Jackson's going to have to be careful. If he starts slinging the ball around, there's a very good chance that that Patriots D could destroy him. If they can keep it on the ground, get them running around and chasing the ghosts that Sam Darnold saw, then they've got an opportunity to actually do some damage to the Patriots. The fact that this is in Baltimore as well is a big one, and I think that will really help them. So, yeah, there you go. I have can, the Ravens winning that one. Can I give a late nomination for the, the best of the week? It had to be the PA announcer or whoever got the playlist, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they put together a video of Sam Darnold's interceptions to the tune of Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes. That that's clever. That's, that's top clever. Trolling. I like it. I like that. That's top trolling. Definitely. Good yeah. stuff. Um I do I do like that. Right, so let's wrap up with the news then, Paul. Anything taking your fancy? Interestingly, and I can reveal this as breaking news, it is just a rumour, but there are a couple of people that uh, I follow on Twitter that are pretty good with the Saints inside stuff. Uh, AJ Green to the Saints is a done deal, according to one of these sources. Uh, we'll find out in the next few hours, probably before this pod actually drops, if that's the case, but that would be interesting. Yeah, I've seen a number of different things. The Dolphins, I don't know if you've seen this one, have traded for Akib Tlaib. Um, they have taken the cornerback away from um, LA. Obviously, that means that LA can now spend some of their money on yep. Jalen Ramsey. Uh, but they get Akib Tlaib and they get a pick as well. So Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's pretty good. I mean, you, know, you mentioned earlier Jamal Adams. As, as we speak, as we record, the Cowboys the most likely destination for him at the moment. Yeah. Um, interesting to see as well that the, the Jets reckon Jamal Adams could end up playing um, for the Cowboys. The Cowboys are very interested. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, it doesn't look like he's going to go anywhere. The Jets have received calls, but there's not enough interest to make a deal. There's lots of rumours circulating. Um, I've seen that the Lions might go after Melvin Gordon. Uh, Andy Dalton, we've said to the Bears. There's lots of stuff to happen. As we're recording this, we're still about, I'm trying to figure that it's out in my head, an hour Wait. and a bit. Yeah, still a little bit away. From the trade deadline. So there's still an opportunity for things to happen. And inevitably, what will happen as soon as we stop recording, something big will happen and we'll just miss it. Because that's what happened last year. Uh, and, uh, and it's inevitable. It's just going to Absol happen. Absolutely. I mean, they're also coming through on Twitter that uh, one of our friendly podcast rivals, Gridiron and Wine, are apparently going to make a late bid for you before the window's uh, closing. Uh they will, of course, be refused permission to speak to you. I, I do like wine, though. Uh, so I I'd like to do. speak to their people. I would <laughs> no, definitely like to speak to their people. No, definitely definitely not. You've been, you've been utterly refused. As general manager, uh, I'm refusing to let my talent go. Damn it. Damn it. Um, right, anything else, then, that's taking your fancy? Anything across the league? No, I just think, I think 
the NFL UK just want a nice little bounce back game this week. As I say, not that I think they've done anything wrong. I think it would just be a good look. I think it's a shame it's not on network television over in the States because I think it, it's a game a lot of people want to watch. Whether that will get people, you know, buying into the NFL network or not, you know, you never know how these things work. It's just been an interesting week. Can I also just say I actually don't like the trade deadline. Right, okay. I, I think I I really detest it. I think the the roster that you build, you know, you know, you, as soon as your team breaks up, you know, you're building your roster, you're doing all your planning, you're getting everything together. I really don't like, and this happens in baseball as well. You know, where teams have to decide whether they're going to be a contender, whether they can get a wild card, and if not, there can be a bit of a fire sale, and teams that are contending contending can pick up a couple of players. I really don't like it. I don't like it being this late. I would make it after week four and that's it. You play with what you've got or what you've got in your practice squad. That may be an unpopular opinion, but I really don't like this moving about when you know you're done for the season. Tough talk from Paul Mitchell there. And uh, it's actually one that I think we'll talk about in a future pod. Possibly one that we'll do during the off-season is talk about the trade deadline and, and the sort of activity that goes with trades. Maybe look back at some of the trades over the last yeah. couple of years. We did it with a, a, a draft, um, but we might well look back at some of the big trades that have happened over the years and whether they've worked out to be good or bad in our opinion. Right, a couple of things that I just need to tidy up before we go then. Uh, one thing you'll have seen that we're doing giveaways ahead of all of the London games. We've got one more coming up, so keep your eyes peeled on Saturday for that. We've only had one person pick a right winner so far, so congratulations to him. Uh, he's got a Bengals scarf, um, which is great. Other than that, oh, we're, we're going to give away all the stuff. Uh, details of that will follow after all the games. So there's plenty to win on. I'm going to give a quick update on the uh, McBookie Pick'em competition that we've got as well going on. See, just before you do that, because uh -huh. you reminded me of something there, that we had a score of gammy at the weekend. We did have a score of gammy. It was Carolina 13, San Francisco 51, the 1,052nd unique final score in NFL history. If you don't follow Scoragami, which is NFL underscore Scoragami, recommend you do so. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so the uh, McPickham pigskin... Sorry, the McBookie pigskin pickham. That's just <laughs> easy for me to say. Uh so at the moment, we've got one person out in first place, and that's Spain with 84 points. Two people tied for second, Reluctant Hero and Max Reed in 1999 with 83. We've got Manster 54 in fourth place with 82. Then there's a bunch of people in 81, 80, what have you. I've fallen. I was in the top 30 at one point. I'm away down at 59 after what was a disgusting week last week. Uh, I'm not going to win this anyway, but there is a um, great prize on the line for this one. Uh, it's going to be a signed NFL shirt and a £100 free bet, courtesy of McBookie. Um, we're also throwing in an NFL Scotland hoodie for that one as well. So keep making sure that you make those picks. But that concludes everything then for episode 73. And keep your feedback coming to us as well. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, at ScotlandNFL, and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. It would be remiss of me not to point out I got 12 points in the pick'em at the weekend because that's been my best week. My worst week was zero because I forgot to put my picks in, but we'll come back <laughs> and moan about that another day. Please keep sharing the podcast with all your friends. Give us a review on iTunes, please. We'd love that. Keep interacting with us on Twitter and Facebook. Keep giving us your nominations as well for our weekly awards. There have been some absolutely cracking suggestions, and we love reading them.
Remember to make your selections in our McBookies Pick'em competition. Enjoy week nine. Like us and like Mike Nugent, you may not be playing for an NFL team this weekend, but you can still have fun. If you're in London, look out for Cameron. He'll be there. We'll be back next week to pick apart all the highlights. But until then, bye for now.